Hello. How are y'all doing? <laughs> oh, we'll see. Merry Christmas. I love that uh, this time of year you can just say Merry Christmas and like people will respond. Don't you love it when like Christians, like hardcore Christians, or when people say Happy Holidays and they're like, oh, Merry Christmas. And you say it with like some malice and some anger, like, you know, I'm going to get those people in Target. <coughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you know, we start watching Christmas movies on Thanksgiving and we just continue watching the Christmas movies. Y'all have a favorite Christmas movie? Don't tell me what it is. Because there's only one right answer. It's a Die Hard. If, if that's not your favorite Christmas movie, you got a problem. Anyway, uh, we've been watching The Grinch lately because of my uh, my grandson, um, and too many times, way too many times, watched The Grinch. Um, but Christmas is my favorite time of year. We're doing a series starting this week, and we're going to go all the way to the Christmas Christmas Day. We have a one-hour service. Okay. Um, one hour service, we thought about doing a, uh, um, a Christmas Eve service, because a lot of people like Christmas Eve service. We're not going to do a Christmas Eve service and a Christmas Day service. Next year, we might do a Christmas Eve service instead of, um, and, and we won't do a Christmas Day service. Actually, next year, I'm going to guarantee you we're going to do a Christmas Eve service. As I'm thinking through the calendar in my brain, Christmas will fall on a Sunday. Um, I'm, I needed a handheld. It was right here. I'll just get one. Uh, <clears throat> hey, in first service, worked fine. When I don't know what's going on. So, um, hi, online people. If you're wondering what happened on the podcast, uh, hey, did y'all know we had a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, the mic messed up. So, I've, I don't know how many times we have to go through this. We've replaced every part of this system. I believe that your enemy is in the sound system. He's trying to prevent you. <laughs> anyway, uh, Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. Um, now, um, the way it is in our culture now is Christmas is bigger than Easter. It used to be where you could, you know, the Christmas and Easter people. Um, somebody in first service said they're, they're called CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. And they only go to church on Christmas and Easter, so they're the CEOs. Uh, but the, the people used to come, Easter used to be the biggest. And, and, of course, Easter is big. There are more people that come on Easter than, uh, than on a regular Sunday. But Christmas time is what it's all about. So people talk about, uh, I mean, people will come, will have a lot of people coming during this Christmas season. So I am going to, as we're preaching the messages, going to be more evangelistic. Therefore... I need you to be more evangelistic in this season, okay? Mm, I'm very uncomfortable with that, okay. You're like, eh. Uh, I really need you to be reaching out. Invite people that you wouldn't, that don't normally go to church or that maybe you wouldn't normally invite. Uh, invite those people because our church has got something going on. Like, I don't know what it is, but our church has got something going on, and it's really, really good. Um, the Holy Spirit is doing something in, in our midst, and we get to be part of it. It's not because Randy's so great. As a matter of fact, every time I start thinking, hey, look, this is going good, and I, and I get to be part of this, I'm not, it's not me, guys. And just a few minutes ago, someone said to me, you know what, you're my favorite preacher. And I said, well, thank you so much. And then someone standing next to them said, you're my third favorite preacher. And I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, well, you used to be fifth, but two people died, so now you're third. So I was like, thank you so much. See, uh, 
The Lord does this thing where he supernaturally keeps me humble. Uh, and it's great. I just love it. You guys are so awesome. So um, Matthew 1, 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, I'm going to give you another chance. And they, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's easy to, for us to believe that God is with us on the good days. You know how you're driving through and like all the lights are turning green and you're like, the Holy Spirit has gone before me and prepared a path. Like God is so good. Or you pull into HEB, it's super busy and the person in the first spot pulls out right as you're pulling in. You're like, God is with me. I got the first spot. I don't have to walk far. Like, this is good. Or you get a raise at work, or you get a Christmas bonus that you weren't expecting. And it's like, so everything is going good. Everything is like just lining up, and you're like, God is with me. When things aren't going the way you want them to go, it's a little more difficult to see that God is still with you, right? Like when, when you're hurting or when you're lonely or you're dealing with, with depression or you're dealing with anxiety, it's very, very difficult to see that God is there. And so you start asking the question, where is God? Like why would he allow these things to come against me that feel like they're destroying me? Why is it like this? Has he left me? No, he hasn't left you. It's easy to see in the good times that God is with us. And it's hard to see in the bad times that God is with us. Where is God when we're in the valley? Usually, most things in our lives are going well. When we have a, a valley that we're going through or something dark that we're going through, something difficult, um, usually everything's going well, but then there's that one thing that's kind of pulling us down that's negative. Like you'll, your marriage is going great, but you have one kid that's going just off the rails. Like that one kid, y'all, the one kid. Like, yeah, some of y'all in here, many of you in here are the one kid. Like, yeah, it's you. And, or, or like everything is going good financially and you just got a raise and everything's going great. And then one thing happens. The car breaks down. The dryer goes out. Um, you know, side note, Dave Ramsey talks about having an emergency fund. If you will have an emergency fund, all of a sudden emergencies stop happening. Like, it's crazy. So, that's a side note. Sometimes like you're going through this season where you experience this intimacy with God, but then something comes along to try to steal that. You have a financial trouble or somebody gets sick or something like that. Um, for, for us, my, dad's, uh, my dad died in 2004, um, and his birthday was Christmas Day. And so it, Christmas was a, a really big deal for our family. Uh, it's, it's a big deal for everyone, but it was a really big deal for our family because we would celebrate his birthday. We would always say happy Christmas and merry birthday. It was just the silliest thing. And, and um, I remember the first few years after, we were, were really look, gearing up for Christmas, and we're really looking forward to all of us being together. And then we get there, and then there's that one empty chair. And it's like it just it hurts. You know, you got all the good things that are going on, and then you have this, like this looming valley. This, this negative thing that, that seems to, to be like, God, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? In the Bible, valleys represent several different things. Oftentimes battles, um, oftentimes in the, the battles in the Bible happen in valleys. Most of the time, battles happen in valleys. And, um, and maybe you're in here, you're listening, or maybe you're listening to the podcast and, uh, and you're in a valley right now. I just want to tell you, um, there is a way out, but the way is through. And I'm going to talk about that. But valleys are uh, d valleys were seasons of desperation or seasons of loneliness. Valleys were also, more than anything else, valleys are a time 
for, for growth for us. Uh, when we enjoy, this is, look, if, I don't tell you to tweet often. Side note, <laughs> real quick. Y'all paying attention to what's happening on Twitter? Whew. That, that guy that bought Twitter, he's really stirring it up. Anyway, that's, I'm going to make a podcast about that, so you can just listen to that one. Um, look, tweet this. We enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. If you think about this, think about all the good times you've had in your life, and you're like, God is so good. Everything is so great. But if you think about the bad times you've had, there has been no other time where you have drawn close to God like you did when you were in the valley. In the dark times, you'll stop everything and you'll say, God, I need you here now. And that's the time when you will will draw close to him, unlike any other time before. I've had a few really, really um, tough seasons in my life. And in those seasons, I'm telling you, I wake up with his name on my lips and I go to sleep with his name on my lips. All the time, I'm looking for him to do some miracle in my life, to, to get me through that day. So... Am I the only one or y'all too? We're going we're gonna to base it on Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The valley of Baca. Baca was like this tree, and this tree would ooze out sap. And people said the tree was a weeper, and so it looked like the tree was crying. So it was called the valley of tears, where this, this, uh, the psalmist is referring to the valley of tears or the valley of weeping or the valley of loss. Anytime you see a valley in the Bible, you would see a place that's very dangerous. Always uh, valleys are, are dangerous places. They would be filled with thorns or they'd be filled with wild animals, like probably cats. Because cats are Satan's favorite animal, just to be clear. Uh, cats are the worst. The cats are the worst. <laughs> there are many people in the church that love cats, the weirdos, um, and that's good for them. Good for y'all. You're you're have a pet, Satan's pe- Satan's favorite pet, and your favorite pet are the same. So <clears throat> there are in the valleys. There's people that that are wanting to jump out and rob you. They're they're. It's very difficult to get through a valley without something bad happening to you. And so he said, "Blessed are those whose strength is found in you." Have you ever gotten to the end of yourself, like you're struggling through something or you're, for me, it's like when I'm building a piece of furniture and I I go through and I'm like, I'm following all the directions. And then like, I'll get to a spot where I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I've done everything I think I'm supposed to do. Or you get to a spot in your life where you've tried everything you can to get out of it and you just can't seem to get out of it. And so you finally just throw up your hands and you're like, "I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't. I can't do it anymore. I cannot figure out how to get through this. If you don't know God intimately, then what you have is all you have. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, a close relationship with the Lord, then what you have in your life, that's the the amount of strength that you have on your own is all the strength that you have. But for Christians, for people that draw close to the Lord, people that are Christ followers, actual Christ followers, we believe that we have a strength that goes beyond the strength that we have on our own, right? We have access to this supernatural heavenly strength. 
when we are in a valley, we know that we have access to strength that is not our own, that we don't have to worry about trying to figure everything out and how to get through it on our own, though you do. You know why you do? Because you're hard-headed like me. We struggle, and we're like, oh, I, I, know, I know this one. Like, I know how to get through this one. And then you try and try and try and try and try, and you don't. You don't know how to get through this one because you're not supposed to be trying to do it alone. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. When we get to the end of ourselves, that is where his strength begins. The sooner you can get to a spot where you're like, I don't know what to do, the sooner his strength is going to step in and take over. Right? I used to have his coach. I mean, everybody's had a coach like this, but they say, all right, I want y'all to give 110% today. I don't know why it sounds like that. You can't give 110% because there's only 100%. There's nothing more than 100%. It's just 100%. So this is how it works. If your strength is you can get through 80% of things and you're like, but I want to trust the Lord, then he'll take that 20% and he'll take it and he'll make it good and he'll make it perfect. And then he'll take the 20% you give him. If your strength is 50%, like 50% you and then 50% of the Lord, he'll take that 50% and he'll make it good and perfect. And then he'll deliver you. If, however, the, you can give less and just trust him with more, that's where his strength begins. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians. Paul had this thing. This is a really important thing for us to understand. We think you've been, you've been taught this gospel that if anything bad, any discomfort, anything that's not good, that is obviously God would never allow that if you were being obedient. So if there's something in your life that's not good, then that means you are doing some sin in your life or you have something wrong in your life. That's just not true. Paul was, I mean, he was pretty on track for the Lord. He loved Jesus pretty much, right? Dude wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, he loved Jesus, okay? So he, he prays for, constantly prays for, this thing to be removed from his life. They, the Bible scholars think that he had a limp, that he walked with a limp. And so he said it like this. He said, concerning this thing that I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will, re, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you want to be strong, then be weak. If you want to be strong, then rely on him because his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. And that's the only time his strength is perfect because he's not going to push you out of the way and say, I got this. He's going to wait for you to say, can you get this? Because as soon as you do, he's going to because he's faithful. He is faithful. Always does what he says he's going to do. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. If you're in the middle of a valley right now, I just want you to know you have access to the very real, ever-present power of a good God who loves you, who is available and ready to come and deliver you in this moment of need. And deliver you doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. Deliver you, you think delivering you means that he takes you out of the valley. And that's not necessarily what that means. It doesn't mean that uh, 
whenever he, whenever it says blessed are those whose strength is found in God, it doesn't say blessed are those who can make it on their own. Blessed are those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I've never understood that phrase. It makes no sense to me. If you pull your if you pull your bootstraps when you're in your boots, nothing happens. Right? You just stay on the ground. Does it make any sense? It doesn't say blessed are those who do it on their own or blessed are those who are really determined. But our culture idolizes the spirit of independence, right? You're supposed to be able to do things all by yourself. You should not ever depend on anybody else. You shouldn't want or need anybody. You should be financially independent. We don't want um, we don't want people. We don't need God. We don't need people. We are created to be we were not created to be independent. We were created by our God to depend on him and to depend on each other. Look around the room. You're supposed to depend on these people. Here's the problem. If you're listening online and you decided not to come to church today, I'm sorry, I am talking to you. If you don't come to church, how are we supposed to depend on you? If you're not plugged in, how are we supposed to depend on you? Because we're supposed to, you like the idea of being able to look around the room and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I need, that person has a particular set of skills that I need help with. And so you go and you talk to that person, hey, look, your skills are something that I need right now. And that's, the church should be about that. Absolutely. But if you're not there, how are they supposed to go to you and say, hey, I need your particular set of skills? They can't. How are you supposed to get lifted up in prayer if we're not around each other, how do we know what our prayer needs are? We have to not forsake meeting with each other. It's very, very vital, right? Are, y'all are with me, right? I mean, obviously you are because you're here. But if you're listening online, you should have said amen there. Blessed are you when you realize you are dependent and you have a power greater than yourself. Some of you need to really lean into that to understand that there's a power available to you that is far beyond what you could do on your own and confess to him that you know that you can't do it on your own, even though you've been trying, because blessed are those whose strength is found in him. It goes on. It says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. And this is a New new Living Translation, which I know some of y'all really hate. Get over it. Um, It says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have their mind their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. This is what I like, the last part of that. They have their their minds set on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They're traveling somewhere. They're going from somewhere to somewhere. Uh, We may be in a valley, but we're headed to a city of refuge. Jerusalem was called the city of refuge. Jerusalem was the city of peace. And so to get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the Valley of Tears. I just think that is so beautiful. If we really understand it, how much more do you appreciate God, um, the power and the presence of God, when you have just come through a storm and you have the, the peace and the sunshine on the other side and you're like, God, you are so good. You, you brought me through the valley. And that's how we can, we can uh, really enjoy the mountaintops is after we've gone through a valley. Every one of us, more often than not, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. The, and, and you know why that is? It's because God wants your attention. And I'm not saying he sends evil things to come into your path. That's just not how he operates. But he will allow it to come into your path in order to get your attention. You're his kid. Think about the things that you would let your kid go through. And you're not even 
a good parent as far as in comparison to God. But think about the things that you would let your kid hurt themselves a little bit, right? Not a lot, but a little bit. You would let your kid hurt them in order for them to learn a lesson. Don't say you wouldn't, because if you don't spank your kids, then we need to sit down and talk about something, okay? Some of y'all need to spank y'all kids way more, okay? Just want to tell you the truth. So you, you discipline the ones that you love, and sometimes we need the discipline of going through a valley so that we can get to the other side and be better, more mature on the other side, right? They set their minds. And, and I want to ask you, have you truly set your mind toward God? If I were to sit down and talk with you one-on-one and I say, have you set your mind on God? Every single one of you would be like, yes, I have. I absolutely have. Thank you for asking, Pastor. You are so awesome. That's what y'all say to me. Um, <laughs> but have you truly set your mind on godly things and on the things that he wants for your life, not the things that you want for your life? Sometimes those are the same things. Most of the time, those are not the same thing. You want a thing, and he wants a thing, and you can still go for the thing that you want. You, you have every right to go for the thing you want, but that's not the best thing. And, and if you go for the thing you want for a long time and you finally get to the end of yourself, you throw up your hands, you're like, okay, fine, God, I will do what you want. He'll still recalculate your route and make a way because he's good. He is so good. So um, what you think about matters so much. And Paul talks about the, the things that we think about a lot. In Colossians, he said, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. In Philippians, he says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lone, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We know these things. But how much time do we think about worry? I mean, how much time do we spend worrying, thinking about the outcome that could happen if something big doesn't happen in our life? We worry so much. I cannot tell you how many people in our church were so worried that if they didn't get the vaccine, they were going to lose their job forever. Like, that's a legit worry. That's a legit under... I understand. I promise you, the whole time I was like, at some point, Somebody with the brain is going to come into this picture and say, look, all right, maybe not. Like, cooler minds will prevail, hopefully. And that's what happened. Like, really, that's what happened. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe that wasn't everything that they thought it was. If only they had known. Nobody said anything. I'm just kidding. I saw y'all's post. Y'all were saying it. <laughs> well, I saw your post till you got blocked. <laughs> Man, I get so far off track. Y'all didn't. Where, where you are is one thing. Um, where, but what you think about is a, is a, a more important, bigger thing. What you think about matters. Even if you're in the, a valley right now in your life, what you think about matters. Your mind must be set on God. Your heart can be just completely broken, and your mind can be set on God. Your emotions can be in charge, can be running the show, can be going all over the place, but your mind can be set on God. Your soul can be aching, but your mind has to be set on God because there can be difficulties pulling you in every direction, but your mind should be set on the goodness of God at all times because He is with you, He is for you, greater is He, 
that is in you than he that is in the world. I know y'all are with me on this, right? He is going to prepare a way for you. His spirit gives you strength when you're weak. His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And when you cannot make it, his power is very, very real at all times. His power is very, very real. And you need to set your mind on things above. You need to set your mind on the Lord. You need to think about the things that are noble and and praiseworthy. You need to think about things that are admirable. And when you're thinking on those things, I'm telling you, your outlook changes in the valley that you're in. It goes on to say, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. You may be in a valley right now, but the valley is not your destination. I've had many um, very close friends, many. I've had a few very close friends that committed suicide. If they could just understand that the way it is right now is not the way it's going to be going forward. It's a season. And a valley is not a destination for any of us. In Psalm 23, the most famous psalm of all, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Everything is just a season. There will be storms and there will be difficult times, but you're just passing through those times. Understand that it's just a season. When we're in a valley, we just want to be out of the valley immediately. That is all we want. But God tends to show us the way through a valley and not the way out of a valley. This is huge. When God comes up and he, he, he steps up beside you, instead of making you just, whenever we pray for deliverance, this is what we want. We want to say, God, please get me out of this. And then boom, out of the valley, like immediately. And you know what? Because God is so good, sometimes that does happen. Most of the time, that doesn't happen. Most of the time, there's still some things that you need to learn in the valley. And so he allows you to stay in the valley. But here's something that's huge for you to learn too, that the skills and abilities and and the things that you're learning while walking through that season in a valley, those aren't for you. Those are so that you can look around the room and those other people that you're supposed to be in church with, those other people that you're supposed to be able to depend on and they're supposed to depend on you, those people, you can go up next to them when they're in a valley and say, look, I've been here before. I know the way out. Let's go. And then you can walk with them and y'all can make it, you can help them to make it through valleys. How many terrible seasons have you been through in your life? And you have the ability to help other people, most of the time younger people, walk through those same valleys. And they will have a peace of knowing they're not alone because they can see you and you're encouraging them to set their mind on the Lord so that they can get through the valley. Are y'all with me here? Y'all are being awful quiet. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Whenever you're in a dry place, dig a well. There's a, a really cool story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings where they, they are in this valley and it's dry and they had to dig a well and then God f- filled it with water. It was, there was a, a drought and he filled it with water. And it says uh, when, you're, when you're in a valley, when you're in a dry place, dig a well Soak in all of the intimate conversations that you have with the Lord. And you know what your prayer life is like when you're in a valley. You know that you're closer. We don't want it to be that way. We want to be like, no, it's way better when things are good because you know, I'm, I'm praying all the time when things are good. Liar. Like, you know the truth of the matter. 
you know that you draw closer to the Lord whenever you absolutely, you know that you can't make it through the day unless he shows up. And so he allows you to get to those valleys so that you're reaching out for him. It may seem like a dry season, but if you set your mind on him, he will flood you with his presence. Show him. Look, this is a this is a difficult thing for me to communicate because I don't want to be like name it and claim it. Like if you if you do that, if you give your money to the church, then then the Lord will bless you. That's I'm never going to say something like that. Okay, does it happen? Sure. Like it happens. But hey, and and side note, I'm going to start off the new year and I'm going to talk about giving. Um, So if you're going to bring us bring someone, bring them in December because I know what you think. Like I've brought people to church before and I'm like, oh, God, I hope today's not the day he talks about tithing like it is. Okay. So uh, sometimes you have to talk about it. We're not we're not afraid of it. Like we we need to talk about it. So we're going to I'm going to do a series on it in January. Um, But um, this is something that that I want to make clear. I'm not saying a name it and claim it thing. But if you show if you put your faith in God, then he will show you his faithfulness. Faithfulness is God's very character, and um, he always, always, always does what he says he's going to do. So if you, there's times where when Jesus, Jesus tells someone to do something, and if they didn't do the thing, they wouldn't be healed, I think. So like with the guy with the crippled hand, he says, he doesn't say, you're healed. He says, stretch out your hand. And when he stretches out his hand, his hand is healed. There's another guy that uh, that had been crippled for 38 years. Jesus didn't just yell at him, hey, you're healed, and he was healed. No, he says, take up your mat and walk. Like he had to actually stand up. He had to do something. God will reveal himself to you in the valley, but you have to put your faith in him so that he can show his faithfulness. If you don't, it's like an investment. If you don't, you can't just go into a bank and say, hey, y'all's, y'all's investment plan is really good. Give me the, the rewards for the investment. You have to actually invest something first, and then you'll get the rewards for it. And your faith is the same way. You have to invest your faith in something, and then you will be able to get the, 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 the rewards for your faithfulness. And it's just fact. God does what he says he's going to do. And it may not be the way that you think. You may think that if I, if I give this amount to the church, then God should give me this amount. Well, maybe, maybe not, maybe more, maybe none. Like, if you have that attitude, it's probably none. So, um, but God is faithful. And James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Maybe you haven't sensed the presence of God in a long time. I'm telling you, if you will take some time and focus back in, put Put your faith back in him. Stop trying to do it your own way. Put your faith back on him and set your mind back on him. And then, like, you get to decide what 2023 is going to be like. We all, as soon as December hits, we start planning our next year. You get to decide what it's going to look like in the future. What do you have to lose if you put all of your faith in God? What do you have to lose? The life that you've built for yourself now? Like, is that a loss? Like, really? Like, Okay, you did it your own way. Look how that's worked. Why, why don't you try it his way? I'm thinking his way's better. You know his way's better. You need an encounter with him. It's difficult. 
to get your attention sometimes because you stay so busy. Can you imagine if Moses had been just like cruising along in the wilderness and he sees that burning bush and he's like, oh, let me take a picture of that. And he takes a picture and posts it on his Instagram. And like, like, can you imagine? He's like so busy. He's got to get going. He's got to go to the next thing. That's not what happened. He stopped. He recognized that it was God. He stopped. And God's like, hey, why don't you hang out with me for a little bit? Take off your shoes. Hang out. Like, he wanted to spend time, and you have to, in order to really know what it is that God wants you to do, you have to spend time with him. And, like, you're thinking, I don't have time. I don't have any time. What are you going to do with your time that's, not as, that's more valuable than that? Like, you know the difference. You know the truth. The time for you to genuinely seek him and find him, the time for us as a church to genuinely seek him and find him is now. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If you will seek him, if you will be still. He says, be still and know that I am God. If you will be still, be still. Y'all know what that means? Be still. It's not a mystery. Stop with all the tis the season to be busy. Like this is it. This is a season to to really get a lot of a lot of things done, right? Cuz we're we're running, we we got to get all the Christmas done and all the all the shopping and food and and there's so much work to do and if you want to meet with him, he's waiting for you. He's not he hasn't gone anywhere. You're the one that's bouncing all over the place. Like take some time. He will let you run in any direction you want. You can run off in a thousand different directions. And sometimes you you start to do the things that you wanted to do and you stay so busy that you run into a valley and you're like, and you have this long season of dry fruitlessness. And you know why that is? It's because that valley was never part of the plan. But he'll let you go there if you want to go there. And of course you would say, I don't want to go there. Well, then why don't you do it his way? Why don't you let him lead? Because there are times where we experience this fruitlessness, and it is our fault. It is our responsibility. And there are other times where it's not our fault. Look, God never promised that if you follow him, you would never go through a valley. He never promised that. We've been preached this gospel in America that's like, hey, look, Everything, if you will just be blessed, if you do all the right things, you'll be blessed and you'll never have any problems. Nobody will ever get sick. Nobody will ever, uh, you'll never have financial problems. You can have your own jet. It's like, that's, I just don't see that in the Bible. If Paul had to wrestle with stuff, then I think that we probably will too, right? As a matter of fact, not only did he not promise that you won't ever go through a valley. He promised that you will. He said, "If you, the, the world will hate you because it hated me first. So if the world hates you, then like, hey, you're in good company. Like you, the world hated him first. What he actually promised is, he promised you would never have to go through the valley alone because God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And the virgin shall be with child, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the psalmist writes it, As we journey through the valley of weeping and toward the place of peace, they go from strength to strength. This is the last part. They go from strength to strength, from a little bit. And sometimes when we're in a valley, and it seems like, man, I've been here forever. What is it, God, that you want me to learn? And you just make these incremental, very small steps forward. You want to be delivered. You want to be out of the valley immediately. 
but he's taking you through the valley. He's moving you from strength to strength to strength, from glory to glory. And sometimes we have to move in these imperceptibly small steps. And sometimes we, we learn and we move in leaps and bounds. But we enjoy him on the mountaintops and we really get to know him in the valleys. Because in the valley is where he reveals his character to us. We sense his strength in a way that we cannot otherwise. The time when we sense his strength is when we're in a valley, when we totally and completely need him because we have nothing else. Know that whether you're on a mountaintop right now in your life or you're in a valley, it is just a season. The good seasons are also seasons and the bad seasons are just seasons. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's going to get better. There is a storm coming. If you're in sunshiny times right now, there's a storm coming. Set your mind on the Lord. Set your mind on Him. Set your affections on Him. Set your heart on Him and living His way. And I promise you, it is better. You will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. In the middle of a valley, you will know that He is God and He is good. Amen? God, we thank you so much. Uh, for the way that you continue to draw us closer to you. We thank you for uh, you always being with us. No matter if we're on a mountaintop where all the things are good, and Lord, we praise you for those mountaintops. We praise you that we can walk on stairs and not fall. We praise you for all of the little things that we forget to praise you for. And we praise you for the seasons of valleys that we are going through these seasons so that we can be better equipped to follow you and better equipped to know you and your character and better equipped to serve and love your people. We thank you that you have made us a church and you have put us in this community for such a time as this. And we ask that you would draw people into a relationship with you, that you would use us as your light. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.